0: Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse.
1: But Skirt the Law in front, and Skirt the Law all too good. Skirt the Law's won by length of a half second. Rocket Horse, Rocket Horse has won it. Alligator Blood holding on. The Alligator win. Zaki holding on. Zaki back to back. Zaki wins it. On the outside, Fashion Legend, Latest Yellow Brick. The inside,
2: Fashion Legend, Yellow Brick. Fashion Legend's one from Yellow Brick. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Gold Trip wins it in a real st- for the
3: ages. For
0: the next three hours, the breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail and the people who make racing happen. Here's Matt Stewart. Morning everyone and welcome to a very special edition of Racing Pulse. We're coming to you live from the rooftop bar of Bells Hotel in South Melbourne where the uh, the, uh, the big playoff is on later on in the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. We're all decked out in Eagle t-shirts. Currently we're supporting the Eagles chain. I'm with Jane Ivel and uh, Mick Sharkey. We're going to uh, bring you uh, all the latest uh sort of hullabaloo from the rooftop bar and also all the issues in racing this morning there's so much to talk about all the champions went around on the weekend animo what do we make of him i'm thunderstruck what do we make of the protest Price is going to join us there's so much to get through and darren bennett who was uh, the original australian export to the u.s uh was getting paid about a million dollars a kick uh for the san diego charges he's going to be joining us here as well so if you're uh, in the neighborhood or even if you're not Get down to Bell's Hotel and have a lovely soiree with us for the Super Bowl. Good morning, guys. I like your t shirt, Maddie. I said it should have is been. That, is it, is no, I wanted an XL Did X, you own X, that before XL? today? And they only gave me an XL, so it's a bit of a wetsuit.
4: Did you own that before today, or is this a recent acquisition no, for a, today? Of
5: course he did. He's yeah. the expert on yeah. the He's matter. rusted yeah. on,
4: isn't yeah. he? Hey? You know, you know yeah. I know the Super Bowl back Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane and I are just sitting here saying so, go sports. Jane, it's not <laughs> un- about as good as we get. It's not
0: unusual for me and Sharky to be sitting at a bar at 8.30 in the morning, but I think this is a bit new to you, so welcome to you.
5: This is a little bit unusual for me, but I'm actually quite excited to see what unfolds here throughout the the morning. I'm told the doors open at nine o'clock, so it's going to get uh, a little bit rowdy, and uh, I'm yeah really interested to see how this all unfolds. I can't say I've ever been part of a Super Bowl party before, so... Yeah, the Tell front us bar about
4: downstairs. Tell interesting, Matty. <laughs> they're just they're gathering. They're starting to gather on mass. The I crew down there, the true believers, and they are. It, it's like a um, it's like a room full of Adam Whites. You know how Whitey used to wear his NFL and NBA jersey, like a grown man in a in a sports jersey. I just there's an age where you have to let go if unless you're playing. I I feel well,
5: unless you're in, uh, an AFL supporter.
4: Well, there's a well, then there's I don't lot know of people that. in there's,
5: Melbourne, grown men in Melbourne, walking around in there. Yeah, like, what do you call I'd them? I still, is that still what, argue that, that the, you call them the, like?
4: grown, the grown man in the jumper is not jump. a good look. We don't but <laughs> don't but anyway, there. There. there's a lot of them downstairs. I mean, they're, they're frothing. What ready do you
0: What I do oh. want to see is someone oh, with four or five pots under their belt stagger up the stairs and look at you and go, Sharky, I've been wanting to meet you. Actually, a bloke kid as I walked in the door and goes, Shark! Give it an hour and he'll be a lot more animated. Hey, we've got so much to discuss this morning from our rooftop bar. Uh, here at uh, Bell's Hotel. If you want to have a chat to us, not just an SMS, if you want to actually do old-school stuff like have a talk to us, one three hundred six five two nine 652 927 652 We'll talk about anything. 416 52 is the SMS. 416 90 50 52 you were our sort of spy out at Sandown on the weekend, and... By all reports, because I was down in Tassie, I had a look and the the lawns looked full. I think Sandown has seized this opportunity, uh, provided by Caulfield being out of play, and it just looked, not just the way the track played, because we know how beautifully it played, but the overall scene looked fantastic at Sandown.
5: Look, they did an unbelievable job, and I guess there was always a little bit of reservation turning up there for a big Group 1 meeting when you're used to being at um, Caulfield, but Look, I thought the Melbourne Racing Club did an outstanding job. It was family day out there. There was a huge crowd. They really put it on for the younger generation. And I just think they do it better than any other club. I was really impressed by what I saw out there on Saturday in terms of the crowd numbers. And I guess people watching at home probably didn't think it looked like an overly big crowd. But that's because Sandown is... Enormous. It's vast. There's a lot of space, and nobody would have felt crowded. And um, had you pushed all those people onto Caulfield, I think it would have been an enormous crowd. I don't actually know the crowd numbers. It would be interesting to find out how many they had there, but they did it really well. And I just think it's so great to be engaging with the younger generation, especially when you've got the horse flesh, on offer that we had on Saturday as well.
0: It's a, such a good point. Uh, this, The theme of the younger generation is uh, is gaining a lot of momentum. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on about the inevitable, who yeah. I saw yesterday. So I'm telling you right now, the little Tassie horse can win the All-Star Mile, but there was a, a marketing campaign, a uh, little video that, that was produced by the ownership group about uh, to entice people to vote, and it was all about little kids and um, the family horse and... Both Scott Brunton and uh, Richie Robinson, the senior owner, have got little kids. And just the most gorgeous video uh, to sort of melt people's hearts and uh, press vote on the inevitable. So uh, great to see that uh, families were out at Sandown yesterday. Hey, Shark, there's a bit of politics going on as well. There's uh, mm. page nine of the Herald Sun today, which I guess you haven't read it, uh, <laughs> there it is. Um, really interesting Sydney take on the... Uh, Uh, the war between Victoria and New South Wales at the moment. It's going to the Supreme Court, so we'll talk about that. Cox Plate, there's a Race Victoria board meeting today, and we're expecting that to put a nail in the coffin of any ideas about running the Cox Plate in late November this year. So we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on as well. But uh, Mick Price is going to join us shortly. We are at Bell's Hotel uh, in South Melbourne, if you want to meet Darren Bennett, you better get down here in the next uh, couple of hours because he's going to be a special guest to watch the Super Goal, which kicks off at 10:30 this morning. In fact, I think he's just lobbed. 1-300-652-927. Uh, if you want to talk to me or Jane or Shark, or 0416905052. If you want to SMS us, I'll tell you something about Sandown
4: on Saturday when it, I didn't go for the whole car and I just rolled around in the public
0: domain. Quite possibly, you literally rolled around.
4: Uh, yeah, I did. Right. I had my orange. I tried to match an orange shirt or a coral coloured shirt with orange thongs, Jane, and it wasn't ideal.
5: Interesting. But the
4: amount of people that were ge- younger people that were sort of chatting about the group one and getting around. I'm thunderstruck. It was like they were, they were broken off into teams, and here that here they are, their favourites back. I'm thunderstruck, Jack and I, and they were ready to rock and roll and watch a minute. It was just great to see that parochialism come back into we'll the races. That.
0: We'll talk about that in a moment. Mick Price is a man always short of time, so we don't want to leave him dangling. He's on the line, but just before we introduce Mick Price... Bit of a replay, just a little scene setter. a replay of the C4 Stakes, a little bit of audio from Robert Cram, if you can just hold on for 60 seconds, Mick, and then JD Hayes take on that protest, because we do want to start with uh, the protest in the oar, so if Mick you can hang on for 60 seconds, just a little bit of a scene setter. here's a replay and it's a couple of the comments regarding the protest.
1: Nugget on the outside, I'm Thunderstruck is four off the lead and coming on, Gentleman Roy at the 250 from Nugget, I'm Thunderstruck, Jackano is also lifting, Jackano in the middle, Nugget. I'm thunderstruck coming at Gentleman Roy. Four across the track. Roy's lifting Gentleman Roy at Jackano. Oh, Gentleman Roy. Gentleman Roy is just beaten.
3: After hearing the objection and the evidence from the related parties, there was the stewards' view that there was interference nearly 80 metres, whereby Gentleman Roy, rid by Mark Zara, shifted out when not sufficiently clear of Jackano. This resulted in Jackano being taken out of its course being bumped and being tightened for room. Now, taking into account those factors and also that the margin was a short head and that, importantly, Jack and O was making good ground on Gentleman Roy from the 200 metres, with the stewards' view that had that interference not occurred, that Jack and o would have finished ahead of Gentleman
2: Roy.
1: Uh, well, it's like arguing with the umpire. So I'm yes, just gonna true. Say, yeah. I just, if I say no, it's not going to overturn it. So... Um, no I'm not going to be bitter in defeat um, the rules are the rules and there was, there was definitely interference um, but yeah um, full congratulations again to uh, Jack and O, Damien Lane Mick Price and Michael Kent they, um, they were able to win a, win a very good group one with now a very expensive to. Very
0: diplomatic JD Hayes there, Mick Price has been hanging on the line thanks for doing that Mick, uh, so that was the story of the CF4 stakes and uh, at the end of the day you and uh, your training partner were holding up the trophy
3: yeah look they're always a matter of opinion those protests but um i think the thing is the margin the small margin i mean if you're beating the neck then they measure the margin uh, lost in the interference versus the actual margin and it would have been dismissed but the short margin and uh look with all due respect to uh gentleman roy you know he's got a group one in him somewhere he was holding his ground and jack and i was finishing off as robert cram said so Look, um, objectively, I, I think the um, result of the protest was OK. I don't think you know, too many people have drama with it. But, um, yeah, it's not it's not good to win them like that. But uh, anyway, two uh, very nice horses fighting it out. It was a great day out there for everybody. Uh, very good day at Tandown. So um, onwards and upwards we go with Jack and Owen.
5: Morning, Mac. Jane Ival here. I know that a lot of people on course on Saturday when the siren went off thought that it was a real 50-50 call. What was your gut feeling before you went into the room? Did you have any confidence you could turn it over in a group one?
3: Well, I thought the key was the margin. You know, it was a very short margin. And like I said, if the margins are neck, I would have thought that uh, dismissed. But when they're short margins, there's more thought need to be put in into that uh, sort of thing. If you look at the head-on, um, this shift uh, from Gentleman Roy was quite severe, and it's um, always difficult to measure. There's no set formula with a correct answer, one way or another. So you've just got to accept the uh, decision of the referee, regardless when you win, or, win them, win or lose them. Some are, you know, some are more um, controversial. But um, oh, look, I, I think this one you can talk about it all day. But at the end of the day, that was their decision.
4: Well, protest aside, Mick, the continued progression of Jack and O's got to be the the aspect that's most exciting for you. You know, he's a horse that won by a narrow margin and had things against him first up, gets a win on protest and wait for age group one on Saturday and just keeps taking these leaps forward. As he goes out towards a mile potential in the Australian Guineas, do you think that's a trip that he's going to be even better at?
3: I think so, because he's, he's very tenacious. Um, he's quick enough to win over 1,200. He's quick enough to win over 1,400, and augurs well for the mile part of it. Um, look, his mother's a half-sister to Inference, who won a Randwick guineas, and uh, uh, Elation, who's got mile written all over him. So there's a good, solid mile in the pedigree. It's not like I'm trying to squeeze a sprinting horse into the mile. Um, he's good, clean-winded, sound colt and I think three weeks between runs will be ideal. He had three weeks between runs into the Golden Rose. Uh, he's pulled up well. Uh, he's uh, As an autumn three-year-old, he holds a lot more condition than he did in the spring and he's becoming more robust and sort of taller and stronger and more mature. I think he's certainly ready for an Australian guineas and the program uh, will be good. The set weights will be good and I think the mile at Flemington will be good. So, uh, And you get D Lane to ride him. So uh, I, I think everything will well.
5: Mick, I'm really interested to know how the decision process went in deciding that the Australian Guineas was going to be his next run because I do know, speaking to you, or Racing.com speaking to you on Saturday, you were very quick to say that he'd be headed to a futurity. So when was uh, the decision made in terms of his plan going forward? Look,
3: Lindsay Max said, put it in front of me um, just after the horse won. He said, what do you think about this? And he said, I I said, funny thing, I've been... Trying to juggle in my head how to run him in the Australian Guineas because uh, the maturity was there, and I was sort of uh, intent on running him in the maturity, and then thinking, will this horse back up? Look, some horses we back up, and no problem at all. He doesn't give me the impression of a back-up horse. You know, we said tend to keep the edge on him, albeit that he's um, like a really aggressive colt towards the line. He's not a colt that we normally work like one of those colts we sort of uh bit careful with him and because i think it suits him uh so i think the three weeks is, between runs is better than running in another group one weight for age against the older horses uh which you know he's won one of them so i'm trying to uh, help his service via stud sort of thing you know so i think if he had a uh Australian guineas a few very nice colts that have won the Australian guineas a bit of a bit of a stallion type of race there so I think he on his CV an Australian guineas would read better than um, you know another group 1 um and wait for age against the older horses you know so uh, I think all in all uh, the decision um, you know uh, favors the Australian guineas no problem
0: it's careful management now, isn't it? You, you've been a bit of a stallion maker over the years. And it, what has always amazed me about Jackano is he, early days he wasn't the excitement machine in the stable. There was always the, the, the I'm Thunderstruck. Ayrton had a bit of a profile as well. And he's just roared into, into view with the Golden Rose and then the, uh, the Weekend and then potentially the Australian Guineas. And then all of a sudden he, he's, he's going to be like a $30 million colt. It's amazing how quickly that transition can and has happened potentially in the next few weeks with Jack and
3: I. Oh, look, I think the difference is three-year-old. Uh, you know, so he's made a physical progression from the spring of his three-year-old year to the autumn of his three-year-old year, and that's, that's the key. So that, that's, that there lies the improvement. He's a, he's a growing horse, and it's not a two-year-old family as such, albeit that he raced well as a two-year-old and ran third in the Blue Diamond, uh you know, he just did that on natural ability. So what you're seeing now is probably the true horse. He was never a you know, jump-and-run two-year-old. Um, the Golden Rose, uh, with clean air, you saw how tenacious he was to the line and his two runs this time in, just probably indicative of a bigger, stronger-than-three-year-old t- at the moment. So, um, anyway, hopefully uh, the mile's good for him at Flemington because if he does get the mile, uh, you know, if it's truly in him, and I think it is, uh, he'll win.
4: Jack and I got the win but you would have been thrilled with on Thunderstruck and the way he came back, powering up late in the race and nearly half a length from the winner. It was another great run, great return from that horse.
3: Yeah, look, I, it's very good. Uh, when I was saddling him up, um, he was out the back and pig rooting like an idiot went with the saddle on and um, I thought to myself, uh, I reckon he's a bit... He's a, I've, I've got him just on the too fresh side of things here, and um, that's sort of how it worked out. I don't know how you measure you measure your training by half length or whatever the margin was. Um, and it looks very good, and uh, he cruised up like he's going to win, but had a out the last 100 metres and pulled up like that. So um, he was uh, half length short of being able to win, but looking, will improve as will um, I suppose Brightside and whatever other you know that whatever of those nice um, way for age horses that are going into the futurity. They'll all improve fitness wise. But look, happy with his little path, and um, he'll run very well in the 1400. I reckon as he gets older, his best distance is going to be a mile to 2000 metres. So certainly the All Star Mile at Mooney Valley and the Queen Elizabeth in Sydney, if it doesn't bog rain up there, uh, will be two really nice runs for him. But uh, he might be a little bit vulnerable in, the, in another fourteen hundred metres for a horse with uh, against him with, with something with a really sharp turn of foot or something like that. But um, look, he's having a, he's having a great prep. He'll hold his form and um, yeah, he'll he'll turn up uh, in the futurity, no
5: problem. Like talking about horses with reputations, Charmstone didn't quite deliver at the weekend, but I understand there were some circumstances around that. Uh, I do know you said she could be a bit difficult to get the dynamic scope on, and I see they couldn't scope her on race day. What do you do with her now?
3: Part of the problem there is I've got a very good vet, Dave Shepherd, so we have a list of our main gallops on a tuesday and a saturday he's in there with his scope and we're just looking for you know any uh tracheal mucus any eiph any so we're you know any any sort of uh, displacement of anything in the, in the throat at the time so we we might do i don't know eight or ten scopes main gallops with her you know she wants to just throw you out the box uh, i was nearly in the box the other morning and, um, you know, we don't want to get anyone hurt. And she's a big, strong filly. So, uh, look, she was pinging him out of the box when I was in. Dave Shepherd had the white flag up and said, nah, no scope. Uh, no scope post-race Saturday from their bets, which is fine. But we did scope on um, Sunday morning. We, we got a scope in there. I had a look at her. So she's got pharyngitis which is a young horse's um, just an, an, an inflammation of the throat. It's an immune system thing. But what it does cause under pressure is display soft pellet. The noise and the way Mark described it was absolute perfect display soft pellet problem. Uh, it can be resolved by anti-inflammatory and crossover noseband tongue type. So I'm definitely not giving up on Charmstone. Mark is not riding him because he got offer, and that's fair enough, 55 kilos. Uh, would be pretty tough uh, for him on a horse who's put in a bad run, you know, two weeks before the Blue Diamond. So uh, I'm aiming her in there. And, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not sure if we can scope or we'll, have a, we'll know 100% the true uh, picture on her, but uh, that's what we're doing.
4: Was that the first time she'd ever sort of given any indication of that Baron Charles I can just pop up sort of unexpectedly, Mick, but she's been great in the wind before that.
3: Perfect. Perfect. And you know, have a look at her spring form. Uh runs a bit fat, run third, then wins the group three. Perfect. You know, yes, uh she got pharyngitis and dysposopide then. They don't they it is very performance affecting. Um but look, they go through different stages, you know. Um it's like I said, it's an immune system thing and you got your young horses, um, you know, they can be robust this prep and then uh, get a little bit affected by different things uh, next prep. So, anyway, that's the plan with Charmstone. And uh, I haven't got a rider for her or I haven't got a rider for uh, Extreme Threat. Not that she will get a run, but if she does get a run on Blue Diamond, I'll probably run her. She hasn't got 27000 in prize money. But um, I haven't got riders for either of my horses, so uh, flying at the moment. <laughs>
0: Hey Mick, your lovely partner Shona um, takes a lot of socials and um, we learn a lot about you behind the scenes including your sleep patterns. Um, did you catch a few nods, a few zeds at the airport in the Qantas lounge the other day? Do you, is that what it comes down to for you? Six or seven minutes here and there?
3: Well, it's a little bit like that but um, you know, because of are city classics I'm up there, down here, up there, down here you know, door to door from uh, where we live in Langwaran on the farm so actually getting to Sydney, uh, so I reckon I had four hours sleep, about four days running. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter, we've got trials here and the uh, life of a horse trainer, she said, how exciting. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> playing, knowing, playing precious, lounge, <laughs> I, knowing I how
0: precious, knowing how precious the reconnection- sleep is, I was imagining someone coming up to you just as you nodded off and saying, aren't you Mick Price? And you responding very politely to that.
3: <laughs> I thought, I'd okay, show a bit of respect in the Virgin Lounge and not put, not put your feet up on the table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was noted, actually. <laughs> hey, uh, good on you, mate. Right See ya. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. I disagree with you. I thought on Thunderstruck was disappointing. And it's good, interesting that Mick clarified it with the horse was acting up and maybe the girth was a bit rounder than it should have been because on face value, Sandown first up, second best horse in the country. We see Animo come out and blitz That's the sort of race that the Jearns and Saint Lees went bang and said I'm number two in Australia. I thought he was disappointing. Has
4: he been a horse that does that first up though, Matt? I don't I can't remember on Thunderstruck being a horse that absolutely steams up in this grade first up and everyone goes, Wow Like he he kind of is what he is. He's a get back run on horse, he's an extremely good one. But his racing pattern, Jane, it it sort of lends itself to those first up fourteen
0: hundred, it should have
4: been when
5: he's won. First up, previously, it's been in a lot lower grade than what he was facing on Saturday. And look, I agree with McPrice. He was charging when he came into the mountain yard. <clears throat> um,
0: I needed to hear that to sort of forgive the horse's run a bit, to be honest.
5: He, he did um, show a few signs that he wasn't quite ready. He wasn't far away. But you to remember, he's a big, gross horse. And, you know, every year these horses do often come back a little bit. Bigger in condition, carrying yeah. a little bit more weight. You hear it all the time about older horses, uh, and sometimes they just take a run or two to really fine tune.
4: And he, you could see him blending into the race. He sort of ran up with Nugget. He started to look like he was going to surge past Nugget at the 200 and at the 100.
0: Just, peaked just sort of. Here. So Australia's just second best
4: wall. horse couldn't surge past Nugget. He just hit that wall. I reckon fitness-wise, you'll see a massive improvement second half.
5: I think that we've been a bit tough on Nugget. Uh, That's very he, is, he has not People done anything wrong. He looked, tough on he looked outstanding in the yards on Saturday. Nugget. The team had him in superb order, and he ran up to his looks. So I thought the flashing light in the race though was Mr. Brightside. Yeah. His, oh yeah, yeah, lovely run. His closing sectionals were incredible. He came from a long way off them, and he was hitting the line really strongly. And
4: they were kind of ignored. The obvious, in a way, Gentleman Roy, yeah. <laughs> who's a handicapper, well, yes. or we've all thought he's a handicapper to this point, talking two racks and the like in the spring. and he comes at his first pass the post in a 1400 meter weight forage race, albeit with fitness under his uh, on his side from that first up win, but. You know, he elevates now to a horse that could, if he, if they could sneak him into an all-star mile, bowling yep. at Mooney Valley. No I
5: like him as a horse. He's really tough. He's really hardy. He tries hard. He puts himself on the speed. The other horses you love to watch because you know you're going to get a run for your money. The thing with him, though, is he had a run under his belt going into mm. the race, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a, a really good, solid horse, but he had no pressure, and I think took him on in the race. He you know, got a pretty leisurely, comfortable, Lead out in front, so I think the race went into what was run in his favor.
0: Mm. All right, well, we'll talk more about that after the break. Hey, we are at Bell's Hotel, we're on the rooftop. We haven't started um, having Frangelico shots yet, but that's just around the corner. Jane Ivell, if you want to meet Jane Ivell, come up to the rooftop bar. at uh, the Bells Hotel in Moro Street. Super Bowl starts at 10.30. I'm advised that it's Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Darren Bennett is in the room, the former legend with a million-dollar boots. So if you want to meet him, uh 50 is the SMS. But we want to talk to you. If you want to talk to the great Jane Ivel, one 652 927 We're going to take a break and then that'll take us up to news. And when we come back, we're going to tear sand out apart. We're going to talk about animo. We're going to talk about the inevitable and all these uh, political issues that are bubbling along in horse racing at the moment. So, lots to discuss after this break. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. Uh, we are live from the Rooftop Bar at Bell's Hotel in South Melbourne. Uh, if you want to come and join us, uh, Jane Ivel's here. What more what, what, what could you want upstairs at the <laughs> Rooftop Bar? And uh, with great, greater, less importance, Mick Sharkey's also I here. I I
5: really don't know if you're selling that. No, <laughs> no.
0: it's. Uh, I'm trying hard. I'm, not even, 69- I'm not even steak <laughs> uh, we've got a, No, we've got a, a bigger one. We've got a bigger one. I'm about to introduce. 04169052 if you want an SMS, 1300 652 Darren Bennett is in the room of course uh, the man with the golden right shoe (laughs) of course the trailblazer for those who followed in his footsteps as a a punter in the in the big league over there in the uh, American football how are you
2: Darren? Yeah very good happy to be home first time in 12 years being back in Australia, and it uh, feels very familiar, which I'm happy about. For, f- especially for this event at Bell's
0: Hotel, all the way from Tol- Tulsa, Oklahoma. So what a, what a, an allure this has been today.
2: Yeah, less tornadoes around here, although it's a bit, a bit cloudy. But it's a, what a wonderful venue this place is. I've never seen this before. And it's you know, it's it's great how the the Super Bowl's really grown in Australia and the events that are around today. And you know, it's a worldwide event. You see a lot on the media day on Tuesday. There's all sorts of languages being spoken and people from around the world interviewing the players and asking the dumbest questions you've ever seen. But it's a terrific event. It's you're, really good. You're about to hear more of yeah, I was going to say, you <laughs> might
0: get a couple
2: of those I'll, in I'll the next try, I'll try to give you some dumb answers as well, so don't worry.
4: Are you fully immersed in the American football culture now? Like, do you, Super Bowl time, do you sort of stop and look back and say, wow, how far have I come? Or is it just this is your life now, that you are living and breathing this sport every every day? Yeah,
2: yeah I am. I mean... You know, I, I coach football over in the States, and we're based in Oklahoma, so I, I help with specialists over at the University of Tulsa there, uh, and we have Australians over there at college, so a lot of those guys use us as a base in America when it's the, the breaks are a little too short to come home to Australia, so we had a couple of boys stay for Christmas, and my wife Rosemary feeds them lamb chops and you know gives them a bit of Australia over there, so... But, yeah, day-to-day, day, you know, I was doing media in San Diego when the Chargers were there before they moved to L.A. And so, yeah, football's really our life, you know. And, and right from high school, coaching high school through college and into the, we have NFL guys come and stay with us too. So, yeah, this is a daily thing Did for you us. envisage that happening Like when you went over to play? Well, Did tell, you think us, that tell this us how it began, become to, become a my career? It, yeah. you were
0: a pioneer uh, for this and it's been a, a, an amazing trail that you've led for a handful of other Aussies. So, tell us about when you finished up with the Demons and how... This opportunity came up on the radar.
2: Yeah, so Chris Jones was our strength coach at Melbourne, and he went to university in Oregon. Uh, had a lot of contacts over there. He used to go over to a training camp at the Dolphins and at the Cowboys every off season. And my knees were sort of running out. You know, I have got a, t- a brand new set of straight knees that uh, I've been—they've <laughs> been painful for a long time. And so Jonesy said, "Look, your knees are really, you know, running out of running out of time for an AFL career, but you can still kick the hell out of a ball." So. You know, I'll, I'll forever be thankful. He made a call for me to the San Diego Chargers and asked for a tryout. They thankfully uh, granted me that, and, and then, you know, we worked on from there. So, Rosemary and I, I won a long kick contest here in the AFL, and the first prize was two tickets to L.A., and so we used that as a honeymoon, and I got a tryout while we are out there. How long was the long kick? Uh, well, so it was, yeah, it was four, four kicks, but my longest was 78 metres, Oh. And I beat Ben Graham by two meters. He was—I was a 28-year-old, <laughs> and Ben was, I think, 19 or 20, just coming in at Geelong. But he had a cannon for a leg as well. So, and then we, the kids we coach, Sav Rocker, who was also—he's the the original Philadelphia punter—is uh, coaching our boys here in Melbourne. So they get a great grounding right from the start.
5: Mm. I'm sure it wasn't quite as easy as the story you've just uh, unloaded to us. But it's the American dream for a lot of young kids to grow up and play in the NFL. Tell us about how your story is quite different to those over there trying to get their foot in the door.
2: So American kids right from the start, you know, they have that dream to play in the NFL. My dream was not that. You know, this was a secondary dream for me. My dream was to play AFL footy, and I did that for a little while, but not as long as I wanted to. So I still sort of had the juice to play sports somewhere. So I was really fortunate to be able to go across, transition into a different sport. But, you know, we have have skills that... Americans don't develop as young kids. As a punter on a high school team or even on college teams, a lot of times they take the quarterback and they drop them back and then they punt, whereas kids punt right from five, six years old. They learn how to kick a football, and so we have those developed skills, and luckily for me, they translated across to American football. We had different leg swings in those days. You know, the game's really changed now with the speed of of the game, and so... I couldn't run out of sight in a week, but I, I had a really nice leg swing that translated across to the spiral. So, you know, a lot of the boys in college now are just hitting drop punts. They roll around almost like playing Aussie rules on a college football field, hitting drop punts, and they're really functional in that, in that situation in college football. So it's great to see them do it. That's amazing. You weren't just
4: uh, The fact that the Aussies aren't just a novelty there, but our game is having an influence on that aspect of, of their game. Very Which is much. Very so. cool.
2: Yeah, very much so. And then you've also got Jordan Mylata. That's a rugby player. Mm. He went across to the IMG Academy and he really learned how to play offensive line. And uh, you know, when when they when we got on offense on at Philadelphia, I just watched Jordan Mylata for the first three downs. He's spectacular to watch. And I think I was, I was talking to someone the other day against San Francisco, the D lineman that was rushing just gave up because he's so big. Couldn't even see the quarterback. Jo- I mean, Jordan's six foot eight, three hundred and seventy pounds. I don't even wow. know what that is in kilos, but it's a lot. And so the guy just gave up. He stopped his feet because Jordan just blocked him, and he's so big. So, you know, it's it's fantastic to watch both those guys go round today, and hopefully, uh, Aaron Sipos has a good game as well. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to ask the personal question about how lucrative this opportunity was, but do you ever look down at your right foot and go,
2: "Thanks, mate." <laughs> I, I, yes, I do. I absolutely do. I, uh, with the new knees, I just had ankle surgery as well. So I look down at it and go, "Please don't fall off," you know. So yes, it's it's taken us a long way, and I'm really really happy that it did. I I George, that George, was going and to be a hands hands
0: model. A hand the model, hand. yeah. yeah hey, uh, Darren, who's. Who's going to win today? Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. we got a lot of punters listening, a lot of punters in the room here are, who are itching for a multi. So what's uh, what's the play?
2: You mean gambling punters? For years I told people I was a punter and they're like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> no, <here> we <laughs> So we've got, we, we got those punters in today. So, look, honestly, I'm an AFC person. I would have gone with Kansas City, but I think there's uh, there's still a doubt over Patrick Mahomes Uh, ankle and whether he's going to be mobile. I think, you know, if Philadelphia gets after him early, we'll see whether he's mobile or not. If anyone can throw with bad footwork, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes but I think the more rounded team is going to be Philadelphia, so I'm going to go the Eagles. Hey, Can I ask you, how big in the US
0: is Tom Brady? Um, I think of Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan as right up there above everyone else, maybe LeBron and, and that's about all I can think of. Ali perhaps, but Tom Brady in the American
2: culture how bigs Tom Brady. Well, you look at me and I've got, you know, gray beard and gray hair and receding hairline and he's the last person that I played against that's still playing. Yeah. So right. for him to play as long as he's played. Uh, I played against him as a ro- when he yeah. was a rookie. He's huge. I think he should have retired last year. Yeah. I think that that one extra year and it was it was crazy uh, everything that was going on behind the scenes at Tampa this year. They didn't have a great season. I think Tom you know, Has he really damaged his legacy? I don't think so. I just think it's going to be very difficult for any of these young guys to have the same length career and to do to do the same things that he did. I is think it, is, is it hard to
0: let go? I mean, I remember when Michael Jordan started playing golf and things like that. Did you find it? Is it hard to let go once you've been that high and then to work out what to do post elite career, is, is it a hard thing to let go of?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think the the locker room's a hard thing to let go of. You know, Being part of a group of guys that go and put something together and go and do something well together in, in a short space of time is a very um, satisfying thing to do. So to give that up is hard. For me, it wasn't. I, I got told by the doctors at West Coast when I was 24 that I was never going to play football again. I, I retired at 41. So I, I treated every day as a bonus after that. But yeah, I can understand it. Monetarily, it's not. He's not playing for money, and hasn't been for a long time. Tom Brady's traditionally taken less than a lot of other quarterbacks to build a good team around him, so he understands the whole process. But I think uh, you know, if he's if he'd retired last year, and he still will go in as the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly Talking
5: much. specifically about the locker room, I'm led to believe that there's a couple of Australian players playing today yep. in the match. Tell us a little bit about whether you follow more intently the Australians that are now heading over there and taking part and um, what we can expect to see from them today.
2: Yeah, absolutely I do and then, you know, there's a lot of kids playing in college right now and like I said, we coach some of those kids and there's another group over here that does that as well and uh, yeah, anytime you see an Australian on the field you you take pride in the fact that they're, they're over there on a great journey and so you know, Aaron Sipos has been at Philly for a couple of years last year and this year he got injured about a month ago, uh, and so I'm looking to see how he goes today because it's very difficult. Once you're in the rhythm of a season, it's great week to week you have that same rhythm. He's, he hasn't had that for the last four or five weeks. He's been rehabbing. And then to step in the biggest game of the season and come back and try and be as good as you were in the middle of the year is going to be hard for him. Mm. Jordan Mailata is that. He's, he, uh, like I said, I spoke about Jordan a minute ago, and he's the best going around at left tackle. So I'm just going to watch those two guys today. And then Tommy Townsend, the punter at Kansas City, is the all-pro guy. So Aaron's got a big job to try and compete with him today.
0: Well, certainly um, some hooks for us to latch on to with this uh, amazing uh, game, the Super Bowl, that's going to be beginning at 9 f- uh, 10.30 this morning, Kansas City Chiefs and Philly Eagles. Uh, Darren, great to meet you. Great Thank to you. have you in. Great to get some insights uh, uh, of your life now and reflecting on uh, that amazing right foot of yours. So good on you, mate. Uh, thanks it. for coming no in. No worries. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take day. a break. We're at uh, Bell's Hotel, uh, SMS 1041690 5052, 1300 652 927. If you want to have a yak to us, Darren Bennett's here, Jane Ival, Mick Sharkey, everyone else. So come along to uh, the Bell's Hotel Upper Deck uh, in Moray Street, South Melbourne. We're going to take a break. It's 16 minutes past nine.
1: Placing their opinion on the line, it's the verdict two lengths away to Mawunga and Ice Bath Hinge leads down to the 250 Animo's honing in quickly it's Hinge being tackled by Animo and it's time for the crow. away goes Animo now from Hinge, they're followed then by Mawunga, Fangirl rattling home but Animo launches his autumn assault in great style beating Hinged and Fangirl rattling home then came Ice Bath Mawunga
0: well there you go, that was uh, yet another win from Animo, he's a, a winning horse there's no doubt about that, he always finds away yeah, just before we um before jane and mick Sharky and i uh discuss animo and all the other big performances from the weekend damo from albert parks on the line and wants to have a yak to us about a horse that caught his eye at sand on saturday how are you damo
3: good thanks betty how are you
0: i'm not bad you know you're within a three iron from the uh, bells hotel you really should be here you know yeah i know uh
3: unfortunately i have something to do in 15 minutes so i can't do it i'm, I'm afraid.
0: Alright. Hey, Jane was is all over the, the, the eye-catchers from Saturday. Are you going to ask her about a, a long shot who ran a, a really good race at Sandown?
3: Yeah, I am. And, and um, it just seems to be another horse that uh, Gavin Bedgegood has improved.
0: A horse called Keats who ran a, a real eye-catcher at Big Odds. I think he ran fourth. fourth didn't yeah. yeah, he
5: did. Um, look, Gavin Bedgegood has done an unbelievable job of late with the horses that he's picked up. Um, the horse looked super in the yard on Saturday. He did present with a little bit of improvement to come, as you would expect. First up, uh, he's a bit of a character in the yard, and he's a horse that used to get himself uh, uh, overdo it a little bit prior to a race. He's settled with a bit of racing, a bit of experience, but um, he was a little up and about on Saturday, and I anticipate that he'll probably take good improvement out of the run. How's that, Domo? That's true. Do you think they're
3: keeping the medals of the All Star Mile?
0: Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah, I think he's
4: in it at the moment on voting. He's sort of like last time I checked last week he was eight or nine. So yeah. they may well get him in. I think it's more of a
0: stable branding exercise and go a, for I it. You, That's yeah. what it's about, isn't it? If I, he gets the votes. Yeah, yeah. No, so I think for the for the profile uh, maybe Damo, but i I certainly don't think he's got a hope in hell of winning it.
3: Karateo. <laughs>
0: Good on you, mate. I hope you're not a part owner, and I hope I haven't Sounds broken like in your heart. you would you, be heartbroken. <laughs> well, I'm a heartbreaker. Thanks, Damo. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Damo can't make it because he's got a very special appointment in uh, 15 minutes' time. But you can. We're at uh, Bell's Hotel in South Melbourne, and everyone is piling in. Everyone's there's a lot of merch happening here. Isn't a lot there? of merch. I've got two layers of merged. merch. <laughs> <that. You're>, you
4: <laughs> are merched to in fact, the back teeth.
0: I've got three layers of merch. I've got the 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 eagle one, the eagle team in the in the game, and then the. Well, something else, and then I've the got OSM. an old
4: footy jumper on. It's just yeah, not quite yeah. uh, Springvale Scorpions yeah, is yeah. not exactly uh,
0: Super Bowl stuff, but it's football. We can walk out of here with a heap of freebies. Hey, um, Animo, Chuck, yeah. to uh, he's the best horse in the land. There's no doubt about that. I yes. don't think he's a champion. I think he's a very good horse. But I he think he's wa- a champion. He won like a very good horse uh, on Saturday.
4: He's got to be up there, doesn't he, in terms of the better uh, Godolphin heroes that we've seen I guess you could say yep. across the journey he'd have to be right up at the top of the tree and think he far surpasses the likes of Hartnell and those sort of horses who were reliable group one winning group one class horses champion yeah maybe I don't know if that argument really matters he's he's a winning machine uh, and he, he was back in great shape got the job done did what he had to do One twenty two seven, you know pretty good time first up 1400 on a track that two days before the race meeting was a soft seven. No, that's true. He's, He's done junk. a very, very good job, I thought. And I don't yeah. think
5: we should be knocking a horse when we can, are consistently saying, oh, they're retiring them too early. They have a few races at two and three and then end up in the breeding barn. And the great thing about this horse is we're seeing him race on yeah. as an older horse. So um, I thought that he looked like he'd come back in super shape at the weekend. And as Sharky's touched on, he knows where the winning post is, doesn't he?
4: Line-up of mares behind him, like hinged. When does hinged get a turn? You know I, know, I know she had such a good spring as well without winning. You know, placed in an Epsom, placed in a George Main. She was right up there in a Golden Eagle. You know, she will win something this time around. You know, she's such a, a tough horse, and you could see her respond when Animo went to her Jane. She went again with him and just couldn't match him for class, but the, the will is undeniable with him.
5: She tries hard, doesn't she? There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that She's been racing so well, as you say, without winning one, and that is the concern with her, isn't it? Is she always going to find one better, or can they find a race where she finally gets her day in the sun? It'll be really interesting to see what unfolds.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, I'm certainly not knocking Animo at all. I think he's a, he's a great, you know, really, really good horse. I think the the main focus on how good is he is is more poignant this year because he's going to go and fly the flag. So, well, and
4: that's a great thing too. You know, that's that's a fantastic way for him to go out is to go overseas and take on europe or dubai or wherever they want to go Uh, we love watching our best go and test themselves against the best in the world and i think
0: he's worthy i think the very elegant thing was just all wrong for so many reasons wrong horse too late in her career and i think it left a little bit of a bitter taste in some ways so jane the next cab off the rank is animo Um, I think he's worthy very worthy I think when he canters to the gates at Royal Ascot I think we're going to have that feeling of he's going to represent us well so what's your what's your take on how well poised he is to start taking on the world now
5: I think they've got to have a crack don't they he's a seven time group one winner he's earned over 10 million in prize money what do you do with him next and that seems like the logical decision particularly when it can enhance his um, stallion potential by going over to the UK and winning in another hemisphere he's a horse where I think someone made a really interesting point over the weekend when he can put himself in a race he normally wins it it's when um, he races off the speed that we don't quite see him at his best but I mean it's Very difficult to beat those good horses that can put themselves in a really good yeah. spot, relax and drop the bit and conserve their energy and then show a really good turn of foot in the finish. And he can do that. I think he's become a really professional, he's a ready made racehorse now. So I think whatever he, when he goes over there, he's going to acquit himself well. Uh, you can't sit here and say he's going to go over there and, and beat them. I think it's going to be really difficult, particularly since he's probably going to be racing around that, you know, 16 you know, mile to 2,000 metres. I'm not sure what race they're going to target with him, but you're taking on some of the better horses over there when you go to that sort of next distance level. But, yeah. look, I think he's the right horse to take, without a doubt.
4: He's a bit like an Elvstrom or a Starcraft when they went. You know, if he had five races over there and won two of them, you'd say, yeah, that's yep. that's pretty good. Yep. You know, if he won one of them, you'd say, yep, fair enough. If the company that he was keeping was, was very strong... Um, I don't he's, think he's going to go and win all not five.
5: No, he's better actually, than them,
0: but he's he's a inferior yeah. to, so you think? Yeah, by yeah. yeah, yeah I, I think that's a fair so, comparison.
4: He's yeah. not a
5: horse they could have taken over there as a young horse, though. No, he mm. needed time to develop physically, to develop mentally. He hasn't always done things right. It's been a process for him to become the complete package. So they haven't they haven't been able to rush him. They've had to take their time mm. with him. And look, I think they've made the decision at the right time
4: and to develop that ability to sit closer to the speed like early days his two year old career even the start of his three year old career he'd get back and flood yep. at home and we'd all sit there and go wow look yeah. at this look at the turn of foot but as the maturity has come as you're saying he have been able to put him drop him into positions and that's what makes a weight for age horse in this country you have to be sitting in the first on Thunderstruck absolute weight for age horse get back run on doesn't doesn't yeah. ha- because of that, he doesn't have that winning strike rate that an Anemo does, who can sit mm. closer?
5: Uh, interesting with the jockey change on On Sun Struck too, when you talk about the fact that he hasn't been able to put himself into a race, and I think the reason they wanted Jamie Carr aboard this preparation was because they, yeah, the they want the horse to put horse into yeah, the race. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. look, we might see that when he gets yeah. over a little bit, you know, when he gets up to a mile and 2,000 mm. metres and not going quite as quick up front, we might be able to mm. see him lob into a position.
0: But some wheels can't be reinvented, can they? So uh, yeah, so maybe he. Um, if you ride him out of his pattern, you might end up with egg on your face as well. So, well that, and that's a delicate balance. The, that's the beauty of watching.
4: The, the, the pool of elite horses in the con- in this country is not very big, so they're going to race against each other a lot. So when a stable says, "Okay, we're going to try something different this prep with On Thunderstruck and have him sitting closer," and they they kind of did that to a degree, didn't they, in the Caulfield Stakes, where you know, it was a small field, field of eight, but he lobbed sort of third, fourth. And, and seemed to do it okay and was only narrowly beaten. That becomes the interest, it's the tactics how are we going to win this time, how will we turn the tables on that horse from last start because they are at the heavyweight end of the scale, they're racing each other two or three
0: times a prep. How many horses have you seen successfully reinvented against their pattern? I don't think there's many, I, I think say Thunder, I think Animo always had that tractability where it was going to happen but I don't think there's much that you can do to adjust on Thunderstruck.
4: Maybe not maybe not but that's
0: the, that's that's the fascination for me, particularly yeah. this autumn. Yeah. He doesn't go early. I think that's mm. the issue. So, hey, what about um, Johnny O'Shea? He's such an assassin, John O'Shea. There's always something lurking there, isn't about there? That and, monster
4: uh, he pulled out uh, on
0: <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> obviously, Don Corleone looked disappointing on face value, but this leapt to Victory Cafe Millennium. Am I visually overrating it, Jane, because that's the way it looked with the others stopping? I, don't, I haven't looked at the data of Café Millennium, but to me it looked like we finally found the two-year-old.
5: Well, look, I think you have to reserve your judgment till you do look at the data, because I think sometimes visually yeah. things can look a little bit more impressive than what they are, but I will say... Gee, he was an impressive-looking mm. horse, wasn't he? Yeah, for a two-year-old, he's... Uh,
0: well, and they're <laughs> not a single are usually. They're usually little. small. He's a big, <laughs> bounding thing. Yeah. When he when
4: he let go, he's just got his big action on him and his, his big buff head on him. But, gee, he finished off well, didn't he? It's just... It was remarkable. It was like watching similar... Um, well, same day, going back a few years now, but Castle Vecchio's win in the English Millennium when he was stone last and rounded them up and put them away... This horse is running away from them through the line and, and, like, properly powering away, too. It was some
0: sort of win. I'm just looking at the, for the Golden Slip market. Well, the
4: problem it's gotta is... Be, it's got to be a firm favourite, sure. The, the problem is the Golden Slip winner, oh, winner was probably there on
0: Saturday. Learning to Fly.
5: No, who was it? Learning Annabelle to Fly? Oh, is that oh who's winning God. the Golden Slip? What
0: was that? <laughs> well, Cafe Millennium's $11. That's how impressive Learning to Fly was. So, a pound for pound, are we saying Learning to Fly was the better performance of well, the day? So, Learning to Fly's
4: debut win I thought was very good. Uh, Steel City is obviously a horse with a lot of ability. Uh, learning to Fly, new to it, sits outside a leader, takes over, strong through a line. Yeah, wins by half length, but a good win. I, I wanted to back her in that race. I wanted to back a couple that a draw. block. The Blanc was another one. Uh, but I, I couldn't go with it because of the barrier. Now, when you saw those horses coming around the corner... He, she was trapped she was second last yes turning in she was traveling mm. and when that turn of foot came you it, it just stopped what you were doing and went hang on this is this is a this might be the one. This might be the one we've waited for all season, the dominant two-year-old. That was a fantastic win.
0: So the bar was raised.
4: I, I think so. We
5: haven't seen that yet, have we? We've had a number of two-year-olds that have had some fairly big reputations. We've seen a few dents in them. Look, Barb is the other one that hasn't done anything wrong. True all pro. you can do is True win. Pro. and yep. they, you know He keeps beating whatever's put in front of him. Um, but it's been really interesting watching the two-year-olds this season because uh, probably up until Saturday, nothing had really put their hand up and said, "I stand out in this crop of two-year-olds." Yeah, I
4: totally agree with what that. What did you make of the, the fall and the conversation around, you know, the, the what may or may not have been the, the cause of the fall in that race in the Millennium?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I to be honest, I haven't wrapped my head around that. I think uh, there's, I think a lot of, there's a fall in a in a
4: race people want to they want to they want to attack Or you know oh, look at this it's their fault and this and that it's it's competitive riding split in second. a big money race and a split second decision gee we're quick or maybe not we as in the collective but viewers of the sport are quick to try and hang somebody out when there's an incident
0: Cul- culpability when it comes to split second decisions with jockeys is a very difficult tag to apply I think Joe
5: look <laughs> I think we're often very quick to knock jockeys without really having a really in-depth understanding about not what only unfolds during a race for them, but also what they have to do behind the scenes to be able to even take part in the sport. Um, So I agree. I think sometimes we are really quick. They're human. Humans make mistakes. They're making decisions so quickly in a race that sometimes, and look, touch wood, and this doesn't happen very often. Um, So I agree. I think sometimes we throw stones very, very quickly when particularly most jockeys are pretty happy if they know that they've made the error to put their hand up and admit that, and we saw that at the weekend as well. So hmm. I think sometimes you have to be a little bit forgiving. I think very lucky in these circumstances that Tom Warkwyn got up and walked away from the incident yeah. with concussion and didn't have anything more serious, so he'll be able to carry on with his Australian stint. And for the horse itself that went down, um, I understand that there's been, at this point in time, um no issues as well so i think they're the important things and i think they're the things that we should be focusing on first before we worry about laying blame is is the horse okay is the rider okay like what's more important in this situation
0: um absolutely right Um, and one of the good things about social media is uh that the jockeys can um quite rapidly um, let people know how they're going tom marquin sent out a tweet last night basically with a thumbs-up emoji saying, look, I'm yeah. battered and bruised, but I'm I'm good to go in the future. Just quickly, before we round off on Sydney, we'll have a quick uh, uh, look at um, the rest of the program at Sandown as well. In secrets, she, she's a star, star filly, star sprint filly, isn't she? Yeah, she is. And a very, very patient ride
4: from Nashua Willa. The confidence was... You know, he, she must have been giving him a great feel because he waited and waited and waited and then went. And Sunshine in Paris, good filly. Fit came at him and he just kept doing enough to hold her off. It wasn't as if he ever got nervy or got overly vigorous, it was just a uh, supreme confidence in her ability to go and win that race. It was she, well, the, the margin wasn't huge, but I think we'll see her open up bigger margins on rivals throughout this preparation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's have a quick we might take a break, actually, because Jamie Rogers has got a, a Super Bowl update in the latest markets here, and she's uh, very passionate about one of these teams, too. We'll, cool. we'll learn a little bit about that when she gives us a, a betting update. When we come back, we're going to continue to have a look at uh, a bit of a review for Saturday. There's a lot to talk about uh, from Sandown. Of course, uh, Lofty Strike. How are they are going to beat him with 51 kilos in an oakley plate? I have no idea. Uh, we're going to look at... Um, hopefully have a chat to Scotty Brunton about the mighty little champ, the Inevitable, who was fantastic... Uh, I was there on hand to see him yesterday. He can win the all star mile. I wonder if Scotty Brunton agrees. It's been an amazing uh, marketing campaign for uh, that horse as well, and we'll talk to Scotty Brunton about that. 0416905052 is the SMS 1300 If you want to join us, uh like uh, one of our listeners did only about 10 or 15 minutes ago. Darren Bennett's here uh, and a growing crowd for the Super Bowl, which kicks off in less than an hour.
1: Oxley Road, the leader, approaching the 400 metres along. length. Simeon, Uncommon James yet to be called upon. So too Generation, the outside, rocketing by behind those horses and then came Marine One, spread across the track again. Uncommon James at the 200, let's down now. Marine One Generation going with Uncommon James at the 100. Uncommon James challenged by Loft. Lofty strike out wide too. Lofty strike over the top. What a good return. Lofty strike has won it by three-quarters Uncommon James Chain. Of
0: Even eagle-eyed um, Maddie Hill sort of just caught him at the corner of his eye because he just came into frame so late. I thought it was an amazing win. Jane, just from a mounting out point of view, the the development from two to, to what we're seeing now, what what did you see with Lofty Strike pre-race?
5: Well I actually didn't see him as a two year old, so I was on maternity leave so I'm, I missed that season but uh, look, I assessed him last preparation and um, speaking to Julius and anybody that understands horses and knows racing any horse that has a significant layoff always improves physically and that's just because they're given the time to let down and to grow and mature and develop and uh, by the sounds of it that's exactly what the horse did uh, whilst he wasn't on a racetrack he's a beautiful horse he's a big horse Um, look Confirmation wise, he's not perfect, but uh, they don't need to be perfectly conformed to be uh, good race horses. But he's well built, he's very strong, he's an impressive looking colt. I thought that he uh, presented a little bit more forward this time in than what he did last time when obviously the team were playing a little bit of a catch up with him and it took a few runs for him to get to peak fitness. He wasn't, well, he won on Saturday, but he did have a little bit of improvement. To come, so I think that sets him up really nicely for his next target.
0: This is a big campaign shark because if he wins the Oakley and/or Newmarket, I mean, he's worth 15 million now. He's worth. 20. Do you reckon he's worth that much now? I think you'll find that the, the, that's the stuff going on behind the scenes. Interesting pedigree for a horse out of a golden slipper winner. Yeah, I know that.
4: But for a horse where they scrutinise confirmation for stallions, mm. he's not perfect. No, no, That's far interesting. from. It. It's not stopping him. Uh, no, nope. I just love how he rumbled into that race. Yeah, he just sort of stomped up, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah. sort of had and just rolled away was, from them.
5: The race was set up for him. It was obviously because it was run along at a, a good tempo. His closing sectionals were the best of the day, though. He posted numbers that no other horse did throughout the meeting. So um, I think, like, he's a real race horse. I think yeah. there's no doubt if um, things go his way he can certainly pick up a group one and uh, look I've said it before but I think it would be great just desserts for Julius to uh, uh, you know pick up a group one victory with this horse how
0: there's two things A. how are they going to beat him with 51 kilos in an oakley plate a star three year old Colt uh, um on Good mates with Cindy Alderson and, and Jigsaw is absolutely flying, but there's no way in the world Jigsaw can give Lofty Strike three kilos and beat him in an open. No, what's not a hope? In what the weight world. does Uncommon James get?
4: What weight does Chain of Lightning get? Are both pretty good behind him?
0: Yeah, he's, he's he's virtually on the
4: minimum, and he's a star. I co- should oh. think he
5: only carries. Stuff. What's, what's the story? She's Chain
4: of Lightning didn't have the most luck in the world in that race, did she? It was it was a very very good run from Chain of Lightning, and she is pretty
0: potent. Is the Blue Diamond Stakes Oakley Plate meeting... I need this clarified, but I swear I had this discussion. Is it on lakeside or hillside?
5: There's a mixture of the two.
0: Right. Yeah.
5: So, so they're using both tracks. Oh, dual track?
0: That, yes. Oh, the old DT. Wow. Morfordville Park. Morf- the old
4: DT.
5: Ah.
0: <laughs> so, Jane, just to confirm, the Oakley Plate is on hillside? Hillside. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the main thing we need to know. So... Am I getting carried away with him being a weighted certainty in the Oakley Club? Oh,
4: He's going to be extraordinarily hard to beat, but I, I wouldn't be conceding uh, to Chain of Lightning just yet or Uncommon James, or the other factor is the weather. Star the Patrol
5: or Sephora, It's actually yeah. shaping up to be a really good addition of the race.
4: And the forecast, if you trust weather forecasting, they're suggesting that week leading into the Oakley Plate, that Blue Bomber meeting, could be very, very wet. Now, Sandown does sit in a rain belt, effectively. Well, if it's raining in Melbourne, Sandown's going to hit it, uh, going to get hit, rather.
0: Uh, yeah, what does a wet track do, potentially,
4: to that meeting?
0: Hmm, I wouldn't gamble on the gamble of the weather, though. I wouldn't lock it in that that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting little thing out the corner of our eye. Um, just with the, um, we're talking about the, that the bar was lifted, Jane, by a couple of two-year-old winners at Ramwick. Are we sort of... Does that lower our expectation of Barber and Exporting, who won the two divisions down here?
5: I think Barber could lift again. I think he could improve. I think he presented with um, plenty of improvement to come in terms of his fitness on Saturday. So uh, he's probably the horse, in my mind, at this point in time, of the two-year-olds that I've seen... Um, that could potentially put his hand up for a Blue Diamond. Uh, little Bros, I really like him as well. Mm. I think he's going to love 1,200 metres. <laughs> the Lindsay Park team did say to me that he had a bit of improvement to come to, and you could see he peaked on his run, Little Bros. Uh, I thought Barber had more improvement than Little Bros, so it just depends which one of them sees out a, a stronger 1,200 metres. I, I don't think we saw any stars no. on Saturday at Sandown in terms of the two-year-old ranks. Something might pop up in surprise, but...
0: I think we're running out of time for the pop-up surprise. Well, I mean, maybe yeah. later on, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, a two-year-old
5: yeah. that's going to train on yeah. and do something a little bit Absolutely. later in their career. But I Absolutely. don't think that um, we've seen a star two-year-old. Barber is probably the horse that... Um, I've got the mark next to it at the moment.
0: We saw a, we saw a star 6-year-old down at Elwick yesterday. We're going to get to that in a moment. I just want to ask you guys one final round off on Sandown before we go to Richie Bear Robinson, the uh, senior part owner of the Inevitable. Has Sandown through circumstances with Caulfield Made its own survival case in recent weeks, and is it so. going to keep doing it? It, it? I think that the love and the way Jane described the, the scenes out there on Saturday with the crowd and the family, and we don't know what the crowd figure was, but it looked very healthy. The track is the best, the best in Melbourne, I think. Is is Sandown kind of through circumstances beyond its control making a very good survival yeah, case for itself? I think it probably is, and the good
4: thing about Sandown, we saw it number of occasions on Saturdays is that horse, good horses that were sort of held up in traffic, whatever else, because of the length of the straight, have time to find a way. And we saw that in the, uh, in the Kevin Hayes, where there's a group one horse in waiting there, Rich Fortune. She is an absolute weapon. Like she, we, people don't understand how good this filly is. I, I think she is absolute top class, top class, as far as a filly and mare, sprinting mare is concerned. If she was mine, I'd be going to a new market. That's how strong I am on her. All right. she, she's a really good filly. So to take
5: and, on the New Zealand mare, Imperatus, who's heading over All right, uh, bring it, it on.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, so, Jane, do you do you agree? Do you think Sandown's sort of stuck its hand up in recent weeks?
5: I think Sandown's always had its hand up as uh, a track that produces a brilliant surface year in, year out, and is, um, certainly plays its part in... In the load of racing that it takes, it's a busy schedule. Yep, great surface.
3: All right. Well,
0: hopefully those the jungle drum about the future of Sandown will. Will lessen and, and up more and more the more we come to appreciate Sandown as a Saturday venue, and as Jake Norton told us on Saturday morning, the numbers are adding up as well. The wagering yeah. at Sandown is at least akin to what it would have been at Caulfield as well. Hey guys, I, it, it this is going to be a hard sell for you two, I know, because this was a winner in Tasmania, and we're talking about the All Star Mile. So to want to be big, this is the win of the inevitable in the Thomas Lion Stakes at Elwick yesterday.
2: Leads away from Sir Simon.
4: Here he comes. Here he is. The inevitable. Oh, he descends on them he pounces past them alpine wolf runs into second spot boy he deserves a crack at the all-star mile the inevitable the little champ wins again alpine wolf in second first i'm
0: telling you guys he's in the mix he's a seriously good horse and he's uh, senior part owner uh, richie bear robinson's on the line Richie was in a muck lather yesterday, Joan. He was the most nervous. He didn't know what to do with himself. He was clammy. He was stuttering all day. It was quite sad, really.
1: But he joined us. How are you, Bear? <laughs> morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was very cally, but he had a nice result in the
0: That's as good as he's gone.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think I said to you yesterday morning, like, he's healthy, his feet are good, and um, he's in a good headspace. So, um, yeah, we're very excited.
4: He's a fun horse to watch, Richard, isn't he? I watched that race yesterday. I was doing some work in the garden, stopped, and I there's a smile on your face. You hear Colin Mcniff call him home, the joy that he brings people in Tassie. It's hard. i i, I voted for him last night. I said, no, bugger this, oh. this is my All Star Mile horse, and I haven't voted in, for the race in three years. But this little bloke's got me over the line. You know, I hope he gets in. Because he, he's a horse that brings happiness.
0: He's a, jo- a horse that yeah. brings joy, Jane. Have you voted for him,
4: Jane?
5: Oh, Do you ha- want a horse that brings joy? I have not made a decision you? yet about voting, although I'd actually, I'm actually not sure I can vote. Or I know I certainly can't win anyway. So um, I'm just really keen to hear a little bit more about the background of this horse because he looks so promising in his younger days. We saw him here in Melbourne. He delivered on the racetrack. He's seven years old now, I think. Went off for a period of time and then he seems to have come back with some uh, renewed vigour this pre can you just tell us a little bit about the ups and downs of being involved with the horse?
1: Yeah, to be honest, there's been more ups and downs. We're so blessed to have a little sharing. So as a four-year-old, we won the Silver Eagle and then um well documented the truck broke down on the way to the Golden Eagle. So he spent 40 minutes at a BP service station in 40 degree heat. So that sort of ruined the Golden Eagle and, and after that he lost his confidence. Um, but Scotty and Tegan have nursed him back through in the last two and a half years. So we're back to where we are, where we belong, I think. Hey,
0: Bear, everyone was talking about what a little midget he is and how he can, you know, he can walk underneath him and all these little jokes about the inevitable and the story about when he was purchased and Scotty Brutton said to his father, you've sent me the wrong horse, you've sent me a complete midget. But I had a good look at him yesterday. He's a gorgeous horse. He's, he's not... Yeah overly tall, but he's not a midget and he's got the most gorgeous, long physique and he's got this attitude, he's got this regal attitude, he just glided to the uh, to the gates, countering to the gates. He's hardly a dwarf, he's a, he's an amazing specimen in a way.
1: Oh, he's a beautiful specimen, Matt, especially when he's winning like he is, but just off the track though, he's such a lovely natured horse as well, like my daughter Rosie loves him, She actually watched the replay four times this morning. Um, so, you know, he yeah, he does. I mean, any good athlete sort of um, demands the respect, and I think that's what he does when he strolls onto the track, and winning breeds confidence, and, and that's what's happening for the moment. So hopefully we're a couple more into this prep. Hey,
0: tell us about the marketing campaign. We, we did talk about it yesterday when we were down there with uh, Dan Malecki, but uh, I, I love the, the angle you've taken. Uh, we did discuss how racing has to walk a fine line sometimes about what, it, what its selling points are and what its selling points aren't. And you've got a lovely little um, video to, to, to try and generate votes for the inevitable with a really gorgeous theme. Just reiterate the conversation we had yesterday about the angle you've taken there with the marketing campaign.
1: Well, Peter Staples and Taz Racing have been awesome. So we did a little video and we had Scottie and Teagan's kids in the video, and I spoke to and Teagan, but we also had my little daughter, Rose in because she couldn't say the inevitable when she was three, so she called him Neville. So we sort of just sort of <laughs> tried to capture that a little bit. Um, and my partner, who doesn't like horse racing, she actually cried when she watched the video. So probably gives you an indication of the angle we're going at. We're trying to just promote racing in a great way, which it is because there's too many people out there knocking the industry. So just, you know, Rosie's six now. and she, she just loves him. She actually got to sit on Sir Simon when we were down there for the video as well. And obviously Simon was in the race yesterday. So Rosie's like, oh, is that the horse I sat on, Daddy? And I'm like, yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, so that's been our marketing. So hopefully it's working and... Um, yeah hopefully if anyone out there wants to vote they can vote for us because they know they're going to have crack so
0: well i don't know what the numbers are now but i know you're about seventh before yesterday but there was a marketing blitz at elwick yesterday to the point guys where I was at the gents briefly as you do shark and I was standing there and I looked up and there was a vote won the inevitable right in front of my face right. and there was leaflets everywhere it was just basic propaganda yesterday there's no like doubt about it. that so and there was a bit of a, a like a, a click on what do you call those things on your phone we go zap QR code. QR code so I imagine that whatever he was in the votes yesterday morning he was a lot more yesterday evening
1: yeah we've got about 500 votes yesterday which is awesome so we obviously got to keep continuing on out with the upward spins so we'll have another big day at Ronnie Cup next weekend all being well sorry next Wednesday all being well hopefully. we just got to keep ticking the boxes and um yeah, hopefully we get in.
4: Well, he's number seven at the moment Matty. so he's got two thousand two hundred and twenty eight votes so.
0: I think he's the people's story in the race this year. I oh, know he definitely is. What happens now, Bear? How did he? When he went back to Seven Mile Beach, were his were his tootsies okay?
1: <laughs> well, I haven't spoken to Scotty since 7:30 uh, last night, so I am to ring him today, but you know you like getting hold of. But no, I, I Perez said it's the best he's ever felt yesterday. So um, all being well, we got Lonnie next Wednesday for a Long Lonnie Cup Day over the mile, and then. Hopefully the next start he' Mile. So Scotty just sort of wants us to go on the Mall to for the horse in the
0: race give get a chance to win well well bear it was it was it was a privilege to be there yesterday because you get these little local hero moments and that was it yesterday I honestly don't think there's been a, a bigger local hero horse in Tasmanian racing than uh, the inevitable I know mystic journey was a champion but I, I just don't think she had the same Zing effect, uh, the cleaner maybe, but hey Bear, um, stop being so nervous and clammy and sweaty and fumbly, you're, you're in the clear for a little while, Scotty hasn't run you, so the, no news is good news.
1: Exactly, just a sign of how I think Ziggy's getting, with my local coffee shop, I have thought the bloke had no interest in horse racing and he said to me this morning, he goes, geez, your horse was good yesterday. Was, the old eyes lit up. oh, wow, <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's been happening all over Tassie and, and on the mainland as well. Hey, good on your Bear. Wrap um, for you, mate, and fingers crossed Thank it yes. all goes well leading into the All-Star Mile.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Richie Bear Robinson. I know this is a bit of a sorry Kate.
5: No, I was just going to say I don't know what your thoughts are, Sharky, but I think that Matt might have a little bit of a crush on the um, inevitable. Have you ever heard him talking about a horse? On the horse such or on love? Bear? One is of them? the two. But there's
4: a bit of love
0: both ways, then, wasn't there? It stopped being clammy. What,
5: what,
0: <laughs> I talk down Animo and then talk up uh, the inevitable. <laughs> um, the only little niggle I've got is when you get these hero horses and then when it comes to the actual race and I, I argued a lot with Greg Carpenter about this I think for the community angle and the popular horsing I don't think weight for age suits the all-star mile when it comes to horses like the Inevitable and Still a Star and and these other ones that were popular but I think there has to be a set weight penalties element where the underdog, when the gates open actually can win the race maybe, I think he'll outrun expectations though the form but, that
4: he's in currently yeah, possibly will he absolutely flogged them yesterday. And I know it's tazzy form, but that you could take a mainland horse and plug it into that Thomas lines yesterday and they only would have done that. That was the discussion we had in the taxi on the way home.
0: Do you you're happy with late for H, don't?
5: Really interesting question, isn't it? Because it's a race that is marketed to everybody. Yeah. But I think what they really want us to see as horses run in the race. So there's a, probably yeah. a little bit of confusion, isn't there, around, you know, exactly what you want to achieve out of the race because I think that build up to it and the marketing side of it is what makes it and yeah. that's because you can have, yeah. you know, these... underdogs as you call them get their opportunity to plead their case and it's about popularity basically isn't it the horse with the most votes makes it into the field but ultimately what you want to see is the best milers coming together and and performing when you've got a carrot dangling with that sort of money.
0: Especially with pop-up threats everywhere else to take these horses away so you've got to be protective of what you've got. I
5: think it's great that the initiative showed to create the race though because as you say we're seeing pop-up races all over the place and I think Victoria had to do something and I think people have got on board with the concept which is great. Yeah, I think
0: set weight penalties would still attract the good horses for the prize money the five or six million because they wouldn't, they'd have a little weight disadvantage, but yeah. not enough to not run. Yeah. So, Zaki giving the inevitable two and a half kilos wouldn't stop Zaki running, for instance, would it? So, no. anyway, it's going to be an ongoing discussion, there's no doubt about that. It's a minute after 10, we're going to take a sports update with John J. Hollywood Bowden, a news update with John J. Hollywood Bowden. When we come back, we've we'll about another quarter of an hour, and we're going to get a little bit narrow the eyes and get a little bit political. That Cox Plate decision's been put on hold, or it will be at a board meeting today. And what the hell's going on with this Sydney-Melbourne thing? We're going to have a chat about that after this uh, news update. This is The Verdict. Everyone's here. Daniel Harford's just lobbed. Mark Stevens has lobbed. Uh, he's got a footy breaking story uh, apparently when we get to him and we might even save that for the big V as well, which is coming up at 11.30 with myself and Matt Nevitt 0416905052 if you want to have an SMS with us. 130-652-927 if you want to yak to us on the phone or just rock up to Bell's Hotel and walk up the stairs and here we are for the uh, Super Bowl which is is now 24 minutes away so it's going to be absolutely massive. I tell you what was absolutely massive was page nine of the Herald Sun today, and then as someone texted me, page one of the Daily Telegraph today talking about bombshell documents reveal a plot for the racing authorities of Victoria, South Australia, West Australia, and Queensland to exile Racing New South Wales and its boss, Peter Volandis, by setting up a breakaway body. Terms like shock and awe, as described in these, I wonder where they got leaked from. Uh, expensive, disruptive, damaging warfare. Uh, the accusation uh, from these leaked documents is from Racing New South Wales is that the other PRAs are forming a cartel to exclude Racing New South Wales, and uh, Racing New South Wales is taking uh, the other PRAs to court for alleged anti-competitive behaviour. Jane, has this been? I haven't had an opportunity to, to tap into your thoughts on this previously. I guess in the bigger picture it's we all get frustrated that this this war actually exists
5: i think any um racing enthusiast feels the same way don't they because we want to enjoy racing in every state and i don't buy too much into the politics going on behind the scenes i prefer to (laughs) keep well and truly away from it so look i don't tend to weigh in on what's going on but you'd like to think that in the future that. Things like this can be solved.
4: Yeah, if you want drama, watch the Kardashians. Otherwise, or just, married
5: at first sight. Yeah, or
4: married at first sight. This just sort, just sort it out. Surely, decision makers that are in positions to to run this sport for the betterment of the sport, I would say, rather than for individual states or. But we've been areas. Talking, we've been
0: saying that for four years, and well, nothing's happened.
4: At what point does the government get involved and say, "Right, you Lot, you can't sort this out. We're going to sort it out for you." It it is just bordering on lunacy that scandalous stories
0: like this with, you know, warfare and all these other...
5: The language was very interesting. Uh, It was used in the article. what,
0: What was very interesting as well is that the one I'm reading appeared in a Melbourne publication, but it was taken from the Daily Telegraph news. So the Daily Telegraph read it on page one and accused... The other PRAs are wanting to kill New South Wales, and as Jane said, that the language being used, of accusing of them of forming a cartel, and plucking out um, words from the from the leaked documents, which <laughs> leaked to who by who, I would ask. Uh, so it's a very New South Wales angled interpretation. This story, basically saying they're ganging up on us because uh, you know we've been too successful, basically. So it only damages
4: the sport. Well but ultimately it only damages. Once the
0: court. it gets fleshed out in the Supreme Court and the inflammatory language of these stories subsides and the actual issue is laid bare, I think the other PRAs are kinda happy to see this fleshed out now, to, to lay this you know, lay the accusation and the and the reality of the situation on the table. So I think it might actually be a watershed moment when this when this gets fleshed out and we'll see where it all ends up. Hey Jane, do you think the Cox plate is good where it is?
5: Oh, interesting question. (laughs) Um, I have no issue with movement of racing through the spring carnival, if it makes sense. Um, And there's people smarter than I am uh, involved in the programming of racing that you would hope would make the right decision. My only query with moving the race later into the spring and in general pushing the carnival later into the spring is that it doesn't just impact the spring. It impacts the entire racing calendar. If you've got your good horses running deeper into the spring, at the moment there's a very short turnaround for them to be back for this racing, for this racing carnival. So when do these horses get a break if we're going to push the spring later and go into the autumn? And that's my only issue. And look, if someone can tell me the answer to that, then go ahead and do whatever you want to do to... To the, um, to the calendar. I 100% agree that for Victorian racing the spring carnival is probably more important to them than the autumn carnival because it's when all eyes are on racing it's where the tu- turnover is at its highest and I totally understand them wanting to generate as much as they can out of that carnival um, but as I said smarter people than me are going to make those decisions
0: So there's a board meeting at Racing Victoria Today Shark where this is expected to be knocked on the head Yep Hopefully. I don't like the move,
4: leave it where it is. Sure, create a better pathway towards our better races, but the conversation I heard you reference a couple of times, Matty, where people think that doing something like this is innovative. Uh, What about innovation around the race day offering? What about innovation and change amongst what we offer people that bother to come to our, our sport? in the peak time what about what, what about we look at changing that is it a date problem or is it a product offering problem yeah
0: I agree I, I don't think the date's the issue at all uh, anyway I think by the end of the day we're going to learn about the um, this kite has crashed um, whether it's put on hold and I think one thing about it Jane is if it required wholesale change and a lot of ex, uh, explanation and a lot of uh, canvassing with various people not just stakeholders if there's just talking to the trainers when you've got a 100-year-old iconic sporting event, that's not enough. You've got to to have a much more wide-ranging due diligence than that. So I guess what I'm saying is they may now have given themselves enough time, if they want to keep selling it, to give themselves time to sell it.
5: Yeah, look, I I think I know what the answer will be out of the board meeting today. But I don't think that it should stop Racing Victoria or the people that are looking at the at the carnival wanting to make change I think Sharky makes it a really good point you do have to keep being in, innovative in your sport, you have to and we've seen it in so many other sports changes probably do need to be made, they've just got to be the right ones so um, I don't think, look if, if a line's put through this today I don't think it should be uh, a negative in saying that change won't be supported, because I think the right change will 100% be supported.
0: Correct, I think you've summed it up perfectly, the right change will be supported. Hey, um, what are we making of this little line in the sand, fork in the road next week for Nature Strip in the Lightning? I, I tend to think the real Nature Strip that we've known to love, and the, the, probably the second best sprinter we've seen in the last 50 years, this would be a walk in the park, but I just wonder off that Champion Stakes run, whether we're starting to see indications that a changing of the baton is looming. If If In Secret was running next week, I'd say she'd beat him for sure. Uh, we've got Buenos notches. We've got uh, Rock and Horse. Uh, one or two others. Is this going to be win, lose, or draw, Jane? A, a bit of an insight into exactly where the old the old champ is at.
5: Potentially. Um, I don't think we always see him at his best first up. Anyway, Nature Strip. So I don't know that we want to be um, making too many decisions. The, the public making too many decisions about him off the back of his first up run. I'm sure whatever Chris Waller does will be the perfect decision for the horse. Uh, look, it's it's a winnable race for him. Um, is he at his very best still? Maybe not, but look, does he need to be at his very best to still beat some of those horses? I, I don't know. I think he's been a freak of a sprinter. He's a yeah. brilliant horse. And look, he's a gelding, so you can keep going as long as he's happy and healthy and enjoying his racing and and performing competitively on the racetrack, um, why wouldn't you keep racing him? No,
0: exactly right. Hey, one that blew me away on the weekend was across the ditch. Imperatures, <laughs> with the companion of the riderless horse. <laughs> what a... And this was Levante and, and all the others were in this race as well, so it was as good as it gets across. Just tell us, Jane, you're New Zealander, take us through the, what I'm referring to and just because I'm wondering whether Imperatrice might be close to the top level of Australasian horses, you know, and that's factoring in the animos of this world. So what 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 am I talking about and what, what can we look forward to with Imperatrice?
5: I thought that her performance at the weekend was very good. I think it was her at probably her best. And I think the guide for anyone in Australia watching that race is that Levante finished a distant third. And we've seen what Levante's done when she's come and run up the straight here yep. at... Flemington. Now Levante hasn't been able to win here in Australia just yet, but I think her performances have had a lot of merit, and she hasn't been that far away. So what Imperators did to her at the weekend suggests that she's um, yeah. a pretty special mare. She's still got to come over here and do it, and travel, and cope with that. And um, I thought it was really interesting the change that of decisions that we've seen um, from Tiakao over the last the last couple of days, I think originally the plan with her was to head to Queensland and tackle a 10,000, but uh, this morning they um, obviously let people know on social media that she was going to be heading to Australia now and competing in a new market, so I think maybe that just goes to show how impressive she was at the weekend and then now thinking, well, maybe we don't need to go to Queensland to get a Group 1 in Australia. Maybe we can go to Melbourne and take on the best sprinters.
4: Yeah, well, you've got the full line with Flavonte, as you mentioned, and then the second horse, Babylon Berlin, they're talking about uh, taking her to Hong Kong.
5: Well, you, I feel, I've feel, got to feel for the connections of Babylon oh. Berlin. She's been runner-up now. She's been the bridesmaid at Group 1 level on three occasions. They've had... I don't, look, Hong Kong's on offer for her, but I think... I think we might see her here in Australia as well. William Reid or the Quokka, there's also conversation about.
4: I thought thought the
5: William Reid could be a really good race for her, so uh, we might see her come over and be competitive. I think that's just the interesting thing at the moment is that we're seeing Kiwi Sprinters come over here (laughs) and actually be competitive. We're
0: we're in a parallel world at the moment (laughs) where New Zealand Sprinters... And wouldn't that be the most far-flung New Zealand-Australian campaign if Although she came to, over to for be, the quokka.
5: To be fair to uh, both Imperators and Babylon Berlin, I think they're both australian breeds <laughs> so, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jane, you've been a superstar this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, and we've sort of stretched it out to... Uh, Nearly 20 past 10, so we've bought in a lot of your time. I know you got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I what's,
5: hope I don't have a parking ticket, but... Uh, did you, see,
0: did you <laughs> see before a bloke was walking towards us with three pots in his hand, I thought, oh, thank God, he's... And he hung a left. <laughs> Just as he got to us, he hung a left. Uh, what's on this week, Jane?
5: Um, fairly quiet. I mean... To be honest, I'm I'm still part time for racing.com. Obviously, my focus is uh, at home nowadays. I think I'm in the studio on Friday, and on course at Flemington on Saturday. Look, so, look
0: forward yeah. to hearing your words of wisdom from the mounting yard. What about you, Fergal?
4: Uh, I'm out and about, Maddie. I'm up to sort of the Bendigo molden area tomorrow to look at some fierce impact foals on different properties that are apparently quite nice. I'm going to go see uh, see what they're growing out like. Okay, I'll be at the farm at some point this week. All
0: right. Hey, are you guys hanging around for the Super Bowl? You, you've got to, don't you?
4: Uh, can you Some s- of us have to work, Maddie. Because my father s- used to say, or still does. Some of us
0: have to run the economy, mate. Can you sense the building... Well, not just the building crowd, but the building expectation? It's starting to get a little bit of a feverish sort of feel there
4: well, here. Well, you you know some of it?
5: Sharky's favourite people are in here wearing their uh, team jerseys.
4: Oh, yeah, they're all kitted out. and yeah, it's all good, and they've got the bucket hats going. They heard you earlier, the and flowing. they've come
0: upstairs. The beers
4: are flowing. Don't yeah. yeah. worry, it's only 10.15. It's going to be a scene at about 2 o'clock, <laughs> I'm I am
0: out at, at 1. Oh, I'll see what happens. Hey, good on you guys. Thanks so much for joining us for The Verdict. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back... Uh, Who's doing the Trav Noonan's gonna do the fast form for Stony Creek today? Steve O has got some breaking football news and he's gonna bring that to us in the next ten minutes.